The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Good, y'all. Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how are we doing this week, bud? Hi, friends. I'm doing good. Do you know what episode this is? A, an arbitrarily monumental one? Yes. A, incredibly yeah. arbitrary, incredibly monumental, because we've chosen to make it such. This is episode 50. Holy hell. I'm sorry for my language, but wow. Holy heck. Do you know? (laughs) Holy heck, Batman. You know, we're not the first Pitcherless Podcast Network podcast to reach 50 episodes. But honestly, anytime I stick with something for more than, I don't know, one doing it one time, I'm proud of myself. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm proud of us. We stuck it out. 50 episodes over a year. Over a year of real time. This is the longest relationship I've been in. Oh. You're welcome, buddy. Stuck with Thanks. It. Through, Thanks. Through good times and bad. Through I, t- that, I take that clean as a really recordings, high. Through clean recordings and tons and tons of technical issues, we have stuck it out this long, which is fantastic. Wow. You know, now that I think, should, should 52 episodes have been the real milestone? Because that's like a year of recordings, even though we've taken time off and whatnot. No, I think I think like the nice I like the nice round, round number personally. It is. It's a good That's round more number. My speed. I mean, a hundred's gonna be like the big one. Well, it's actually okay. Here's the thing. What would you want to do? Because we didn't really plan any of this. Because we didn't remember that it was gonna be the fiftieth episode. I would have like maybe tried to bring someone on for this. But if I, we have I, our hundredth episode, what what would you want it to be? Like, I would who want would you have someone. On? I would want someone else to do it. Oh, I wouldn't even want to be involved. I would say, let's take the week off. (laughs) (laughs) We just want some time off for this one. We just want to mail it in. Literally go to our, go to our manager, uh, Adam Howe of, of on the wire and just tell, tell him, sorry, Adam, this, this week it's on you. (laughs) This is your your problem now just for this week. It's in her contract. Sorry. (laughs) What contract? We did this 99 times already. You, you can do this one. Yeah, you got this. Uh, I, I think we would. I think we should have a guest on for our hundredth episode. Or yeah. Guests, maybe we should, actually. That's the thing. If we have more guests on, uh, 
as time goes on, we should have all of our guests on for a huge roundtable for our 100th episode. Just do the greatest hits. Oh, for sure. I Actually, no, don't do that. I, that's just more editing for me. I don't want to do that. <laughs> the, the less editing, the better, personally. Um, but yeah, 50th episode, kind of crazy. Crazy to think about. Um, for episode 50, I'm going to make you go solo. Please don't episode leave. episode 100. Please don't leave. Oh, God. I don't Payback. know what I'm going to do. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna uh, let it let it gestate and 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 stew for for another whole year, and then I'm buddy, gonna get payback. Buddy, I I I know that I'm technically the host of this show, but your presence keeps this on the rails. I need you to know that. If I'm left that alone is scary. to my own devices, that is a it scary goes, concept. It goes, it goes haywire really fast. With how frequently that. we go off the rails as a pair, I, I don't even want to. <laughs> it's scary to think that I'm keeping this together. It's like a. It's like a two negatives make a positive thing though right like it's controlled chaos because we're both just bouncing off each other opposites attract yeah yeah anyways okay let's uh let's dive into uh the deep dives here in a second but first i just want to remind y'all if you want to follow us on our social media you can follow us at in the deep pl on twitter you can also follow us individually at bunt singles for myself and then schwebzy can be followed at schwebzy that's s-h-w-e-b-s-i no c for you fools best come correct no c i get that a lot he does get that a lot. It's it's very infuriating. Honestly, on your behalf, I am upset. Uh, also, <laughs> worth uh, reminding folks, because we haven't done it in a while, actually, is we do have a mailbag. It is in our pinned tweet on our Twitter account, so be sure, again, to check it out there. At In The DPL, there is a Google form for mailbag questions. Also, feel free to just tweet at either of us, too. That's also fine. Um, and with that, let's jump in to the first deep dive of episode 50. Schwebzy, kick it off with Josh Rojas. So you may have heard that Josh Rojas hit three home runs today. And well, actually, I I had already planned on talking about Josh Rojas before the three home runs. And then he went out and hit two home runs. And then I started writing like this note, uh, the, the like this blurb about how he had hit two home runs. And now I feel like a jerk and a bandwagon guy. And then he hit another home run. It's when something like this happens, I always have mixed feelings because I, I want him to succeed. Obviously, I want everyone to succeed, but especially the guys I talk about. But like not today. I want him to succeed tomorrow so that I look smarter because I'm selfish. <laughs> but anyway, it, so side note, like are are the Diamondbacks our giants this year? I think so far you've been on them more than I have, so I can't even claim them. As, I, we can't claim them as our when it's been you that's been on them more than well, I have, honestly. You're, you're, you're a Christian Walker guy. I was last year. I was way early on Christian Walker. Uh, and now he's hitting for... Still, average is still iffy, but like the power is there, which is nice. Tenth homer today. Tenth homer today. We're going to bring cool. him up later. We are, yes, in our honorable mentions section. But but yeah. you're right. I, I do find myself thinking and talking about the Diamondbacks like way, way, way too much this year. Uh, I, and I'm going to be a broken record about this, at least for the foreseeable future. And did, what do you think the Diamondbacks' BABIP was in April? So you asked me this before, so I do know. But my <laughs> I, I was hoping guess, you would just play it off. But my, my original guess, well, I mean. I, I was hoping I, you would lie to our listeners. <laughs> uh, I would never do that. <laughs> um, I, I did say originally I thought it was like 248, which is a low BABIP, to be fair. Right. What it actually was, was 219. It's disgusting. These things almost always gravitate towards 300. 
It's the nature of the statistics. It's the nature of the sport. Like the absolute worst team BABIP in 2021 was 273. The, The team doesn't even matter, so I didn't write it down. In 2019, the worst team had a 280 BABIP. In 2018, it was 277. Even in 2020, in the shortened season that didn't let things normalize, the worst team had a 245. And that, like the worst you'll you'll see for a whole you know quote season yeah and the, the diamondbacks for an entire month put up a 219 babip i mentioned that like the whole team seemed wildly unlucky and that's why i was on them and this kind of like corroborates that i i feel like that that's vindicating me a little bit but the point of all of this is just to continue hammering home the point that the diamondbacks are not a bad offense which i continue to hear even now that they've recovered they're not world beaters by any means but they're a like a high middle of the pack offense i would say and they're in an average to above average ish home ballpark and i don't really think that the widespread perception matches up with that they're still targeted as like a streaming opponent and they really like they they shouldn't be at least not targeted mm-hmm. yeah it's it's i wouldn't call it a bad matchup per se but it's not a good one but, you know, that out of the way, Josh Rojas, he hit three home runs today. Again, that's great. Don't expect that again. <laughs> the conditions would, uh, I think some people would say they were uh, optimal. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I said something similar about Brandon Drury after he hit his first home run of the year and Brandon Drury kept hitting True. home runs. And actually, uh, you know, I- I'll get to that in a little bit because there might be something here. Hmm. But today, the Windy City was, get this, windy, with MLB.com reporting 25 mile per hour winds out to center field. And that win resulted in 11 home runs today in the game between the Cubs and the Diamondbacks. Just for a fun comparison, the Detroit Tigers, as a team in 38 games, have hit 20 home runs. <laughs> so uh, 11 home runs, conveniently, is also how many dingers Josh Rojas hit last year across 550 plate appearances. And that wasn't unlucky or an accident. He's kind of a slapdick player. And, you know, we're not ones to avoid that type of player. We actually love that type of player here. <laughs> it's funny. We love both. <laughs> we, we love both slapdick players and big boys that hit ball far. We, we love, I mean, we love, <laughs> we love players of all shapes and sizes here. In the we're team. equal. Out, yeah, we, we love we love every baseball player here, really, except for Chris Flexen. So... <laughs> So Josh Rojas being, you know, not not a big strapping baseball demolishing lad, uh, it, it's not a bad thing. Rojas has a good eye. He generally makes very good swing decisions. He makes the most of what is a pretty modest tool set. Um, he's already got three stolen bases this year, which puts him at three home runs and three stolen bases in only 54 plate appearances, which is you know a much better pace than last year's 11 home runs, nine stolen bases in 550 plate appearances. We haven't really seen enough out of him this year to make any major declarations, but unfortunately for calm and measured analysis, he went out and made a big declaration himself today by hitting a few possibly wind-assisted home runs. <laughs> Funny thing about one of those home runs, one of them was 98.8 miles per hour, and it traveled 402 feet. There have only been two other home runs hit that softly this year that have traveled further. It was 
it was wind assisted to, to put it gently especially in this like dead ball season right, right. like yeah the weather was a huge factor today the one of the other diamondbacks yeah one of the other home runs that traveled that far was hit by charlie blackman who i'm sure you're aware plays for the rockies mm-hmm. so uh a, i really want to emphasize the conditions of the game and i really have been emphasizing because there are plenty of reasons that I like Rojas, but none of them are represented by his scorching hot return from the IL. Over a full season, Rojas is a solid high OBP guy. He's a double-digit power, double-digit speed guy. He's not going to blow you away in any one category. He's like, in, in my head, I have him filed away as like a fantastic glue guy because he's a fantastic deep league player because you can plug him in anywhere. Depending on your league, he can be eligible at second base, third base, shortstop, outfield. So that means both middle infield and corner infield. And that's just a fantastic spread. You're not going to find many more versatile players out there. And he contributes a little bit of everything. Um, I mentioned before the uh, Brandon Drury thing about potential future production. Okay, we're, we're, we're dealing with a very small sample size here, so please take this with a grain of salt. This is just kind of things I noticed while looking at his profile that are mm-hmm. inter- interesting, but could very easily change with a couple of bad games. He's making better contact. He's, he's making better contact in the zone. He's, mm-hmm. pull, he's pulling the ball more. He's walking more. And those, are all, those all tend to be good things when we're looking at like a power breakout. He's seeing the ball better. He's elevating it. And maybe paired with today's dinger binge, we, that hints at more season-long power. He also hit a couple of home runs in spring training, bringing him up he to did. like five home runs in his last 70 plate appearances. I'm really reluctant to actually say that I expect more power going forward, given like the current beanball, beanbag baseball and chase. So funny thing. Uh, I didn't really realize this. Chase Field actually suppresses home runs a little bit. Yep. Good for doubles. We looked at this. Good for doubles and triples, not good for home runs. Yeah, I had it in my head that it was a good hitter's park. And when I hear a good hitter's park, I just think good for everything. But there's different, you know, there's nuance to everything. And Chase Field is is a good hitter's park for runs scored, but not for home runs. So Chase Field suppresses home runs a little bit. Josh Rojas doesn't have prodigious power and the baseball stinks. So I don't want to say that I predict more home runs for him this year than his 11 from last year. Uh, You know, starting off with this three home run game certainly helps. Maybe he'll get up to like, you know, 15 just from this early season, lucky, uh, windy day. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple, there's some things in his profile, which hint at a, a potential power breakout, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not betting on it. Where does he hit in that lineup? He hits like fifth usually, doesn't he? Kind of all the over top? the place. Yeah. I mean, they, it's, really, they get, it's everywhere. They, they do genuinely have a lot of really good hitters on that team. And I think that offense is better than a lot of people generally perceive it to be. Um, obviously, we talked about Alec Thomas last week a little bit, and he has graduated into our above 20% threshold area. Uh, and what is it? Rojas is at 19%, like right there on the precipice as well. Um I wouldn't be surprised if just based off the today's performance, Rojas goes over 20% this weekend. Oh yeah. Yeah. He Um, was right on the brink. Excuse me. But, um, so I don't know. We, we talked about Alec Thomas. He had another, he had a dinger today. Oh, mm -hmm. everyone hit a dinger today. 
but um we talked about him having more value the more he moves up in the lineup he has been hitting seventh seventh and eighth which is better than ninth so you know we're getting there we're getting there slowly but surely i think that he eventually will be hitting near the top of that order though it would not surprise me in the slightest uh rojas specifically has been hitting second third and fifth in the last handful of games yeah that sounds about right okay that's what i expect him to be at is right around there like either second or third or uh fifth but for some reason fifth stuck in my head is like the most likely spot for him in that lineup i don't know why uh yeah he's he's more of an on-base guy i feel like he he belongs in like that first or second spot yeah that's fair they've got a lot of guys like that i feel like that are pretty good getting on base maybe that's just me that's what i'm saying it's not a bad offense yeah all right, I dig it, Josh Rojas. Definitely, and I think the biggest thing for me here is I always love someone, like you said, is a glue person who's not going to be like super flashy in any one area, but it's going to contribute everywhere. Plus, the positional versatility is always like my favorite thing to have on any of my deep league rosters because you can just throw them literally anywhere. Yeah. It's fantastic. Oh, and Alex Chamberlain uh, is a big fan of uh, Josh Rojas, and he is much smarter than me, so, you know, trust him. <laughs> Shout out Alex Chamberlain. Although he's more of a pitcher guy, isn't he? Oh, I, th- I think he just does it all. Yeah, he's got. Nah, he's he's just sharp all around. Um, General baseball whiz. Yes. Uh, okay, I'm going to move on along to the second deep dive of the episode here. I've got Johnny Cueto, which kind of brings me a lot of joy to be talking about Johnny Cueto because he's just he's just a fun baseball player. Uh, he's here to chew bubble gum and get outs, and honestly. It'd be foolish if the Chicago White Sox ran out of bubblegum for him and signing him and not getting enough bubblegum for him to chew. But he did get some outs in his first start uh, this past Monday, I believe it was, on the 15th or 16th, whatever day that was. Uh, He pitched six beautiful innings with seven strikeouts, only allowing two hits and two walks. Uh, Really, really, really good. Uh, It was a really nice change of pace for White Sox fans who were reminded that the Dallas Keuchel contract is still a thing on a weekly basis. It was nice to be excited about something pitching-wise, aside from just the Giolito comeback from the COVID IL, uh, and kind of distract them from the fact that Lance Lynn's going to be out until, what, like early to mid-June? Oh, don't something remind like me. Something like that? Yeah. Oh, I forgot. You roster him on a few teams, don't you? Yep. All right, Pete. Well, hey, not that not that far off. Only a few weeks away. Two to three weeks. Um, But yeah, it's like nice to have... A lot of like my Chicago White Sox friends be excited about someone who's going to be able to contribute for the next two or three weeks while they're waiting for Lance Lynn to get back in there, hopefully as soon as possible. Um, so we kind of, well, I assumed that we kind of just like thought we knew what Cueto brought to the table. He's been around long enough. I thought we kind of knew the story with him. And while that's somewhat true, like he's a guy who's throwing like 90 to 92, he's going to have like the mixing of, different deliveries like the absolutely crazy really really fun to watch deliveries where he's holding up in his like single leg stance at the top of his wind up for sometimes three or four seconds which is amazing to see as just like a fan of the game he was nestor cortez before it was cool that's true he was i wonder if that's a any inspiration for cortez if he watched Cueto pitching a ton yeah um and i kind of figured that it was just the exact same Cueto that we've always known um but he's made some changes and it's like an emphatic yes in like what we should be excited about based off of what we saw in that first start. So the peripherals on Cueto's pitches are mostly the same across the board and like as far as like what his pitches look like. 
But the really encouraging thing that we gleaned from the first outing is that he is heavily increasing his slider and sinker usage this year. He used to be like a four-seam dominant instead of sinker dominant pitcher. He's throwing his four-seamer less than his sinker for the first time in his career. And his slider is getting thrown nearly 40% of the time, which is the highest rate that's been thrown in his career. Um, Honestly, both are paying huge dividends. The sinker is getting a lot of soft contact, or sorry, the slider is getting a lot of soft contact. And then the sinker, he located exceptionally well and had a 52.4% CSW in his start. That's silly. Which is really good for a sinker. Uh, I don't know if y'all know that or not, but it's kind of great. Um, but that's the thing is like he was throwing his four seamer less and his four seamer was kind of getting knocked around the past couple of years because he was throwing the sinker so much and locating it so well, the fastball, the four seamer played up a ton. He was able to locate it up in the zone um, and it na- nabbed him the most whiffs of any of his pitches, four out of his eight whiffs, which I mean, the whiff total is very low. Don't get me wrong. That's not that encouraging. Um but overall, like just the profile in general and how he's deploying his repertoire is really exciting. Um, along with that, he just created a solid amount of ground ball contact. Half the balls that were hit into play were ground balls. And the location on his four-seamer and his sinker and the slider, too, were all pretty pristine and kept him out of trouble through the entire start. Um, beyond that, is there anything to be excited about from Cueto? Cautiously, perhaps? I think that, obviously, like I said, Lance Lynn getting transferred to the 60-day IL a couple days ago, or like maybe it was just yesterday, means that Cueto's going to get plenty of opportunities for starts in the next two or three weeks. I'm not going to be starting him like, I think he starts tomorrow against the Yankees? Is that correct? When does their series with the Yankees start? So... I'm I'm looking at uh I'm looking at Fangraphs probable starters, and uh, they're showing that Dallas Keuchel is starting both today and tomorrow. So I think they're uh, it's I think one of they've those got games. this yeah. mixed up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so he's going to be starting one of those games. I can only assume. Um, it's against the Yankees, right? Yes, at yeah, the so Yankees. His, yeah, which so is rough. start at the Yankees. I'm not interested in starting Johnny Cueto there, but next weekend, which is supposed to be his next projected start he starts like right around like where michael kopech would as well i think they're starting on the same day there's a double header i think that's what it is he's starting the other double header on the day that uh kopech pitches which i think is sunday yeah it looks like either saturday or sunday he'll be pitching yeah so what's going to happen is he'll get that start i'm not interested in starting him against the yankees but i am interested in starting him next week against the cubs he should get the cubs next week like saturday for the crosstown classic so that's something that I'm looking forward to. I will probably try to grab him and stream him in any league that I can find him for that start. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about what I've seen from him in, in an incredibly small sample, to be fair. But the usage of his pitches is really, really interesting and encouraging. Yeah, I dig it. I mean, it's it it's hard to like look at a Savant page and think you know what's going on with a guy like this like marcus stroman like nestor cortez because they just don't succeed in a traditional fashion no with cueto it's just like the track record is just so good so long so i i I don't want to say consistent because it's there's been bad years in the in the the last you know handful of years yeah of course but yeah, you know, he he is the savviest of veterans. I there's no reason he can't put together a string of a few good starts. 
for sure yeah i think it's kind of curious because the other person that i'm going to talk about later is someone that now pitches for the giants and the changes that they made with this pitcher to find more success for them is essentially what the white Sox did with Cueto in this first start and found success, which is prioritizing a sinker over a four seamer and then throwing the slider a whole bunch. Oh, I, just, I, I just realized that there's that parallel between these two pitchers that I'm going to talk about, which is kind of interesting, but anyways, um, all right, on that note, let's take a quick ad break, and we'll be back with two more deep dives right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PO Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, and we are back. Cool. Schwebzy, let's dive into MJ Melendez real quick. Yeah, we're going to stay in the AL Central, and uh, we're going to talk about someone who I hope hits a tank off of Johnny Cueto. Sorry, Jordan. But, hey, uh, no. <laughs> no. We, we <laughs> Solo shot. I refu- solo shot. I, I refute this. We both together both hope deeply that MJ Melendez hits a dinger off of Johnny Cueto Do in the near future. Do not speak for me. Uh, we, we've spoken before on the pod about what a desolate wasteland the catcher position is this year. And that hasn't really, it's terrible. If you look at the top 25 catchers in baseball by plate appearances, only eight of those 25 have produced a WRC plus over a hundred. And it's not hard to have a WRC plus over a hundred right now. Like everyone is bad right now. And the, the, you need like a 750 ops to be over 100 it's it's not high it's bad so you know what knowing that if you had a catcher who you know played plays all of his team games he's played seven of his last eight games dhing when not catching he's looked thoroughly whelmed in his first 42 career plate appearances and if he qualified he'd be seventh in all of baseball in average exit velo and lest you think that that exit velo was fluky, he hit 41 home runs in the minors last year in his age 22 season as a catcher while also playing other positions for some versatility and putting up great plate discipline numbers. I mean, w- would that interest you? Because it interests the heck out of me. Uh, I, I think the playing time is real. He's a Kansas City Royal. And Salvador Perez shockingly to me has reverted to what he was before his fluky ridiculous home run season last year and on top of him reverting to his old undisciplined mediocre hitting self he's also hurt right now he's hurt his thumb he's out for at least another week and his injury has lined up nicely with mj melendez suddenly playing every single day 
The Royals with Salvi have shown a willingness to get their catcher plate appearances on the days that they're resting uh, by using that DH spot. Uh, I, I would say that they use that with Salvi, they use that more aggressively than any other team because Salvi played like 161 games last year. Yes, he did. You just don't see that happen with catchers. So, I mean, you know, if, if Salvi wasn't there, I'd say like MJ Melendez might get the most catcher plate appearances out of anyone for the rest of the year. But, you know, Salvi's going to be back at some point. So, I mean, at least in the near future, uh, Melendez is going to get every opportunity to succeed. And he, so we had the, uh, we had the COVID season. Everyone remembers that in 2000 and there was no minor league season that year. But since we came back from that, Melendez has done absolutely nothing but punish baseballs. It was, this year it's been an incredibly small sample size, but Melendez has not seemed phased at all by the transition from AAA to the majors. He's hitting an even 300 uh, at, at the time of this recording. He, is, uh, he was two for two today to bring his average up to 100. It, you know, he had a single and a triple last time I looked. And after that single and triple, it brought his WRC plus up to 159 with a couple of dingers, decent K and walk numbers. And the, the strikeout and walk numbers are probably the most important thing to me because it's showing that he's seeing major league pitching and he's his approach is still good. He's still walking a good amount. He's he's not striking out a ridiculous amount. You know, this always happens when people go from the AAA to the majors, you know, his walks have come down, his strikeouts have gone up, but not to an alarming amount. So he's still looking good up there. I mentioned that he has like this, you know, if he qualified, he'd have the seventh highest exit velo in baseball right behind Tommy Pham, which blew my mind. But like the other names up there are the usual suspects, like your Stantons, your Judges, your mm-hmm. Trouts, etc. Cabrian Hayes, just to, to drop my boy there. Are you Wait, sorry, are you a fan of Cabrian Hayes? I like him a little bit. He's, I, didn't he's okay. I, didn't, I didn't know this about you. You know, you know, you know, Saris dropped a uh, Wander Franco Potential comp on uh, uh, Enos Aris. Never heard of him. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. That's that was that was just me being a a smarty. Your 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 favorite analyst's favorite analyst, Enos Aris. Yes, correct. Uh, so yeah, he's absolutely destroying the ball with regularity, but he's also elevating it because we all know exit velo on its own isn't the whole story. You know, as evidenced by Cabrian Hayes and his strong exit velos and zero home runs. Uh, Melendez already has two himself. He's already got three barrels. I'm a bit concerned by his max exit velo, which is only 106.6. But again, this small sample size, and I, I refuse to believe that Melendez hit 41 home runs last year with a max exit velo of 106. I just, I just don't, I don't buy that. I think we're bound to see that go up. Yeah. And anyway, that's considering the rest of the package, that's kind of a nitpick. The the minor league numbers are what they are. He he made a joke of double A AA and triple A. And the way he went about it made it seem like it wasn't particularly difficult for him. Uh I'm encouraged by some of the early trends in his major league batted ball data. He's not swinging at first pitches. He's 
making about league average contact in the zone and he's not chasing at all. And I imagine that has to be like a complete breath of fresh air for Royals fans used to seeing Salvi, who uh, consistently gets the fewest balls thrown in the zone in baseball or, uh, you know, close to the bottom of that leaderboard. Mm-hmm. If you if you can call it a leaderboard and uh, even in spite of that continues to swing at everything. Uh, the one worrisome thing is that he has a pretty high whiff rate and that whiff rate is consistent among all pitch types. Although another way of looking at that is that there's no specific pitch type that's giving him major problems. He's just kind of, you know, swinging and missing at the same rate against everything, which, you know, is high, but not alarmingly high. Uh, As a whole, I I like him. I, I love the offensive potential here. I can't imagine not liking this potential. But as far as like whether to add him or not, Given the state of catching in the league right now, I honestly think Melendez can be a top 12 catcher in all of fantasy for the rest of the year, which would make him standard league viable, which would obviously make him viable in the kind of leagues that we talk about. I I think he's a must roster in AL AL only or two catcher leagues. I doubt he obliterates MLB pitching to the extent that he did in the minors, but he's shown signs that he's you know, he's making the transition successfully in front of our eyes. And if he does successfully make that transition, that's, it's a heck of a bat. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I love MJ Melendez. I do have him in a couple leagues. Uh, I drafted him in an auto new league, uh, this year, got him in an auction for a dollar at, and during dollar days at the end. And that was, I think one of my favorite investments to make. Cause I figured after listening to Kevin Hastings, uh, of on the wire, Two shoutouts for on the on the wire on today's episode. Hey, very nice. Uh, oh, just speaking, talk him up. Speaking of Kevin Hayes things yes. and uh, our our appearance on on the wire. Yes, Carlos Hernandez. Cool. Massive rip. Man, I apologize to our listeners because I was so high on Carlos Hernandez, and uh, I don't think I've been let down by any one player more this year. And I know Kevin was also pretty high on Carlos Hernandez when I uh, when I took him in our draft. He was uh, he was upset at me. Yeah, and now I'm sure I mean, a lot of that was homerism, but at tr- the same true. time, yeah. but it was informed homerism. True. I, I'm trying to figure out what it is about Carlos Hernandez that doesn't allow him to see success. Because his uh, stuff not, seems not like not throwing would... the ball in the zone ever. He also lost a couple ticks of velo this year. Uh, yeah, that doesn't help either. Because mm. like okay. the stuff, the stuff was what was helping him survive. True. And then yeah. he threw it in the zone less, and then the stuff also got worse. So it was just worst case scenario. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <sighs> that happens though. We're not gonna hit every single one, right? All the rest, everyone but that one, I'll hit. Everyone but that one. Still hitting at a very very high clip. Um, <laughs> Don't hold me to that. <laughs> don't don't fact check me please uh <laughs> on that note i'm gonna quickly move along so we don't have to fact check you i'm gonna talk about someone that was on the royals pitching staff last year and is now on the giants pitching staff kind of like i alluded to earlier and that's jacob junis who's actually starting tonight i don't know if his start yeah he, he should be pitching right now correct is he getting bodied yep okay he's getting bodied. <laughs> well this is gonna be fun to talk about this is going to look really stupid going out tomorrow. I'm going to talk about it anyways. Uh, so you remember when I was really high on Jacob Judas after like one or remember, two good starts last remember year? Remember five like, minutes ago? 
It was like it was like episode ten or eleven of this podcast is when I first talked about Jacob Junis, which is pretty crazy to think about. Um, and then he proceeded to make me look like an absolute buffoon, which I literally wrote in the notes, like he's doing to me right now, probably again. Are you getting gombered by Jacob Junis? I literally have in the notes. Well, I'm ready to get hurt again. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. To, to to be completely fair, I I was also high on Jacob Junis before thirty seconds ago. Uh, well, I am ready to get hurt again. Uh, but I genuinely, yeah. Oh God, this is so bad. These notes came back to bite me so hard. I don't think that I won't because we've got data that backs up a meaningful change. <laughs> Including him getting bodied tonight. Um, so far this season, uh, since coming over to the San Francisco Giants, surprise, surprise, they strike again with another pitching reclamation project in Junis. Um, he's been electric on the surface. He's got a 174 ERA with a sub one whip through 20.2 innings. Obviously, that's changing after tonight, but so it goes. Um, this is a far cry from what he's been prior to the season when he was with the Royals. He had a 4.82 ERA and a 1.35 whip over five seasons. He was not good. He was not a good pitcher at all. Um, so the question is, what did Junis and the Giants change that culminated in this newfound success? So in short, it's all in the pitch mix, kind of like what I talked about with Johnny Cueto uh, in the White Sox. After being mostly four-seamers and sliders and nothing much else for his entire tenure in Kansas City, Junis has all but abandoned the four-seamer in favor of a sinker. And he's throwing the slider, which was always his best pitch. Like, his slider was always really, really good. He's just throwing it more. He's throwing it 56% of the time this season, which is fantastic. That's what you love to see. Um, It's always been his bread and butter, and the command of the pitch is excellent this year looking at his heat maps. Um, He's burying it low in the zone on his glove side, which is exactly where you want it as a right-handed pitcher, uh, throwing it inside to lefties, away from righties. It's basically a money pitch by all metrics. The only thing that it misses on is that the O swing threshold, it's like less than a percent below that. So it's like 39.1 or something like that instead of 40. So it, it is it is a pseudo money pitch. Um, the focus on the sinker and the removal of the four seamer from his repertoire is the really interesting part for me. His four seamer was a really, really bad pitch and got knocked around with a ton of regularity last year. It had a 348 XBA against and just a 24.8 CSW. The sinker, on the other hand, has performed like startlingly better. It's got a 36.4 CSW that is so ju- juicy, it should be printed on a pair of boy shorts. Um, the other <laughs> added wrinkle, you like that? You like yeah. that little nugget? Uh, <laughs> the other added wrinkle is that at first glance, Junis seems to have added a legit third offering and a changeup, which has a 29.7% CSW. The downside to that is that he threw it 21 times in his first start and has thrown it less than that in his next three starts combined. Um, this is something that Nick Pollock, uh, Papa Nick, uh, Nicholas Peter Pollock, Papa, Papa, uh, has also expressed concern about. So hopefully he can find that again and re- reestablish that and redeploy it in an effective manner because uh, nearly 30% CSW third offering that was pretty much non-existent in previous years is a huge, huge thing. Um, anyway, so he's got another start tonight uh, while we're recording this. Obviously not going great. I have not looked at the line at all. Shrubsy just kind of broke it to me a little bit, it looks like. Uh, and it's a solid uh, offense. It's the Padres, right? Like, the Padres are a good team. They're a solid offense. I like he, the New Jays a up, lot. He gave up a dinger to Cronenworth. That was most of the damage. Was it? Oh, just yeah. most of it? Uh, two of the four runs. 
<sighs> four four innings. Well, sorry, three uh, bouts before innings. Well, I mean, that's not as catastrophic as I thought. Yeah. He's, he's not getting whiffs as the he's not he's not throwing the changeup and he's not getting whiffs at the moment, which mm. are which are the alarming things. Yeah, but it, like you said, it's a good offense. This the the Padres are are way better than expected without Tatis. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they were they were going to be good without Tatis anyways, but at the same time, like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I uh, this wouldn't have been a per a team that I would have streamed uh, Junas against. To be fair, um, yeah, and that's the thing is like I'm kind of thinking of Junas as like I like him a lot for what he is and where you can get him. I think that he's a really, really good streaming option against like favorable matchups. And I like having him as like a streamer off my bench in like 15 plus team leagues. Mm -hmm. Right. Like he's not, he's not going to be in the top. Like if you, if you're in a 15 team league, even if you have like, he's not going to be in the top 75. (laughs) Wait, that's math, right? Five times 15 is 75. Yes. Cool. Nice. Did it (laughs) in real time. Uh, I am very smart, <laughs> um, but he's not going to be in the top 75 of starters pretty much anywhere. I don't know where Nick, does Nick have him on his list? I can pull that up. Yeah. Um, I, he's not going to be someone that you think of as like a SP one through five in any capacity. He's going to be someone that you're going to have as like an SP six or seven, probably in a 15 team league that you'll stream when you want like a favorable matchup or just need like some extra, maybe some extra K's or some innings. Uh, in a weekly matchup or something like that, but ninety-one. Oh, he's actually on the list. Okay, that's pretty good. T- tail end, just ahead of Chris Flexen. Oh, your favorite, your absolute favorite. Uh, but yeah. So that's kind of what I'm thinking of Jacob Junis. I'm sad that he's kind of getting bullied around by the Padres, but it was honestly kind of to be expected. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I definitely I absolutely ran him out there in a league and. uh you know, much regret at the moment, but you know, I, I, I absolutely think this could have worked. You know, there, there's, there, I, I'm so curious about that change up. I'm right there with you in like wanting that change up to be a thing because if a, a third weapon just dramatically changes the outlook of a two pitch pitcher. I'm wondering if it's just like, cause he's never thrown it a ton. Right. And basically if you take away his first start, he's throwing it about the same rate that he previously threw his change up. Right. Mm hmm. So he, I'm he wondering if it's twice like, today. yeah, I'm wondering if it's just something that he doesn't have, like, like it's just depending on the day. He just doesn't have a good feel for. I just, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to say anyways, but yeah, Jacob Junis, uh, Shwebzy, let's move on to our new little, uh, weekly, weekly bit that we like to do here now. Uh, graduation ceremony. We have some players that we want to just talk about real quick that, we talked about on previous episodes that have now graduated beyond that 20% threshold that we used to decide which players we are actually able to talk about. Uh, let's kick it off with the the person that's probably solely responsible for you being in first place in TGFBI in stolen bases. Oh yeah. Make sure you get that in stolen bases in there because I'm so far from first place in oh, the uh, I know. overall. I know. Incredibly far. Like, do you think if, if we make this graduation ceremony, like a regular bit, yeah. How did how much do you think it would cost us to get like the vitamin C graduation song as too like, much like, more than to, we can to, afford to license it? Our our budget is not high enough. Our budget is buddy, zero. we can buddy, we can barely pay ourselves. That's that's fair. All right. But yeah, also, uh, Jorge, oh god. Quick question though. Do we also do a section 
about players that we talked about that went above and then went back below. Ooh. What would we call that? Remedial learning? Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome home. Super Can seniors? Coheed and Cambria? Super seniors? Oh, God. <laughs> Fifth years? As, as a former super senior, that hits home. <laughs> but Anyways. But yes, Jorge yeah, Mateo. Uh, Jorge Mateo. Uh, I've been saying all along that he should be rostered in every rotisserie league. I'm glad to see he's finally getting some uh, some more rostership out there. Juan Yepes has done exactly what we hoped he would do just a month too late for for uh, me because I dropped him everywhere when uh, Albert Pujols, of all people, took his roster spot. God, yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, Albert Pujols stole a base uh, yesterday. He did. Unbelievable. Wait, was I, it? I sit. Weren't Nick and Ellen present for that game? Yes. Yep. That's what I thought. That's fun. That's a good time. Uh, and Alec Thomas has already jumped over twenty percent. We mentioned earlier that he might be slowly being moved up the lineup, and if that's the case, I think you managers who roster Alec Thomas are going to be very pleased. And if he's still out there, add him. Add yes, him. Hundred percent. He's been very good so far. As advertised. Um, all right, I think that's all we have for graduation ceremony topics. Let's go to our honorable mentions. Uh, Shubsy, you got Kyle Lewis up top. Let's talk about Kyle Lewis real quick. So according to CBS, Kyle Lewis should be back by Monday. So if he's still out there, grab him now. I was stunned by how much fab he went for in my tgfbi league because i was trying to get him in anticipation of him being back you know relatively soon mm-hmm. uh, this this was uh this past sunday and uh, he went for like something like uh 55 so like you know five five percent and change of like the overall pool which is yep. very surprising to me i thought it was gonna be I more th- than that honestly like i thought you were gonna yeah, say like I, almost 100 no i thought i could sneak him through at like 30 and i i uh miscalculated pretty uh bad there uh, there's Cole Calhoun, who can't stop hitting home runs. Five in the last week. Crazy. Unbelievable. He hit one today off of Christian Javier, and Javier is a you know pretty good pitcher. Yeah. I mean, he, I think Cole Calhoun is the type of person that I feel like he goes on a couple runs throughout the year, and this is one of them. So I it, would get it, in like right now or not get in at all. Is yeah, where I'm I mean, you, you, may have, uh, you may have missed it. But I mean, dude, he's like just scorching hot right now. True. And yeah. uh, I mean, it, it would be silly to not see uh, see where he can take you. I mean, he's he's hit thirty three home runs before. It was yeah. what year? it was with it was with the rabbit ball. Yep. It was it was with the super bounce ball. But he you know he has a history of hitting you know twenty ish, twenty to twenty five sometimes. Yeah. So I, and. I mean, I don't think Texas is a fantastic hitter's park, but no. you know, like, he he has a whole lot of home runs in the last week, so and no re- no reason not to see where that can take you. Just just Marie Kondo him, grab onto him while he's hot, and then let him go when he no longer sparks joy. Yeah, that's basically what it is. Just like everything else in fantasy baseball, just like ride it for as long as it goes, and then get him on out of here. Uh, Tyler Naquin, you have on here as well, Shrubsy. I don't. I don't. I haven't actually been paying any attention to Tyler Naquin. Dude, Naquin was surprisingly very good last year. You know, he had two seventy. 
He d- I, d- I do know that he had a solid average last year, yes. Yeah, and it was with power, 20 home runs, well, 19, and 70 RBI, and that's 70 RBI and only 450 plate appearances. Mm. There is no one, and God, I can't stress this enough, there is no one pressing Tyler Naquin for playing time. He's on the Cincinnati Reds. That team is abysmal. He's going to have every opportunity to uh, get all the plate appearances his body can handle. And he's already got four home runs, 21 RBI this year. That's in 30 games. So, I mean, you can go ahead and extrapolate that if you want to get a nice little 20 home run, 100 ribby season. He's hitting 266, close to that 270 from last year. And, you know, a an 800 OPS doesn't sound like great shakes, but that like that gives you a 122 WRC plus. This uh, you know in in this beanbag baseball season, uh, he's you know he's not a bad hitter. He's and mm-hmm. he's in in leagues where you get where you need five outfielders and your you know your league goes 60 plus outfielders deep. Naquin should probably be one of those 60. Yeah, that's fair. I would absolutely roster him in a 15 team league. Uh, five outfielders, yeah. even just like because yeah, that's what seventy five deep. Yeah, twelve, 12 team, five outfielders. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. All right. Uh, what you have, Royce Lewis down here, unfortunately sent down. Yeah, sadly. Yeah, but he he was raking when he got sent down. He has already continued raking down back in the minors. He's playing third base currently in the minors, which is okay, cool and interesting. Uh, a lot of people think that Jose Miranda should have been the one to get sent down because he wasn't hitting like Royce Lewis was. The Twins are a weird team in that they just have a glut of corner guys. Third, first, left, right. and But they have a... I mean, I mean, so it seems weird to me that that's where Lewis can play. But if Lewis winds up being the best of that bunch, you know, he'll... he'll if he hits, he'll play. He's just he's just you know one of the many guys in in that situation. So keep an eye on him. Wait to hear about that call up. If you can stash him, stash him. But he sh- man he's he was an uber prospect at one point. If he comes back up, I I would be trying to grab him uh, immediately. Heck yeah, love it. Um, let's see who else we got here. Brad Miller, still running pretty well. Still doing things, man. Four yeah. home runs in the last two weeks while hitting 250. He even, uh, I, I mentioned in our last episode that he had completely stopped getting playing time against lefties. Well, he got a start at DH against the lefty the other day again. So maybe they're kind of trying to ease him back in or, or just seeing if they can get any production out of him in those matchups. He was batting uh, ninth, which is worth noting. He was batting. But. Yeah. I mean, his lineup spot is a little bit weird. Like, even against righties, he'll mostly bat leadoff, but then occasionally hit eighth or ninth. It's weird. Maybe they just want him on the wraparound? I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. But point is, uh, Brad Miller seems to be out of his April slump. He's hitting dingers. I'm still running him out there in my utility spot every day in TGFBI. So, I I mean, I I like him. I'm a fan. I think he's going to continue to crush righties. And uh, yeah, he's still out there in in pretty much every league. What is he at, like 9%? Yeah, something like that. Very much available in a lot of leagues. Um, 10, 10%. There you go. Yeah, 90% of leagues availability. Heck yeah. Definitely a really good stopgap option for sure. I mean, like, even if you, I mean, it's better in daily lineup leagues probably, right? 
Oh, absolutely. Just like play if matchups. You, but yeah. like that's if, that's if I you mean have that goes the luxury. Yeah. At this point. Like that's like most of the people that we talk about is like if you can play those platoon splits and really get micromanagey with your lineups, then it's gonna be more valuable in the long run. But yeah. So I, I didn't have this in front of me when I was talking about uh, Tyler Naquin, yeah. but last last two weeks, Tyler Naquin's hitting 349 with a 404 ooh, OBP, ooh. 650 slug, nine runs, 11 ribbies. That is very good. Uh, very good. And Man. Brad, Brad Miller is, has been nearly as good. <laughs> How about your boy? We talked about him a little bit earlier. Christian Walker. I mean, he just... He's. I mean, I was a year early on him, and like he's still not hitting for a great average. Like his average is you, not good, but he has ten home runs already. You were you managed to be both a year late and a year early, because Christian Walker was good two years ago too. That's true. That's true. He was like good, not great, and I thought he was gonna have a breakout last year. And I was like, yeah, this is your man. This is your. I could see it. You just you just caught him on the off year. Yeah, of course. Classic me. Timing just <laughs> impeccable. Um, but yeah, no, he's got 10 home runs on the year now after hitting a home run today in the incredible, incredibly like Homer friendly Wrigley field with the wind blowing out. I don't know, like 80 miles an hour, whatever you something said like earlier, 80, yeah. 80, hundred something. It was good watching people. Cause I saw that I was watching that game today after, cause I wanted to tune in to see if uh, Rojas hit a fourth home run. Cause he was going to get another at bat. There was like two or three pop-ups that it was just the most treacherous thing in the world. Watching people try to catch them. It's like comical. Just- benny hill music oh it's great um but yeah no super encouraging i if you need power christian walker's gonna be out there in a lot of leagues um the average is gonna hurt so just be sure to brace for that but um yeah all right uh and then we've got jace peterson schwebzy you wrote down a brewer that you want to talk about man don't, or did you don't. just want to remind me that willie adamas is hurt and hurt my feelings don't pretend that I don't like Brewers. I know you I, do. I am. I, know I am in do. a very. I'm. I'm in a very weird headspace right now with regard to the Brewers because I want to love them because of you, and I want to hate them because they might. They're one of the toughest competitors for the Mets if the Mets keep doing well. But true. I digress. On base, Jace, as as you like to call him, correct. He uh he's gonna get plenty of playing time in the next week or two as Willie Adamas deals with his injury. I I'm unfamiliar. What? How long is Adamas going to be out? Probably a Do couple know, weeks. Rough? It's a high ankle sprain. A couple weeks. Ooh, those yeah. are tough. So especially, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like moving laterally with a high ankle sprain defensively at right. shortstop. Ugh, not great. Um, I will say though. So I think that obviously this means that Luis Arias shifts over to shortstop. He's going to be playing there the majority of the time. The thing that I'm interested in is to see. I think on base, Jace will get most of the playing time at third. Mike Brasso will get occasional starts there too. Um, against lefties. Against lefties. But in a lot of cases, I think Jace will still maybe find ways to sneak into the lineup because he can literally play anywhere, right? Uh, on Fantasy Pros, I see his eligibility as first, second, third, left, right. Yes. He can play literally everywhere on the diamond except for shortstop. Um, yeah, it's... Again, people that have like these super util eligibilities are just insanely valuable in super deep leagues. And the fact that he's going to have more playing time over the next few weeks makes it even more so. So definitely, I I think Jace is a great pickup. I I would actually call him like uh, Josh Rojas without the uh, longtime role. True. 
He's yeah. got that similar like a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, nice on base skills. Mm-hmm. Just so, all around, skill just set. a solid ball player. So same eligibility too. So you mm-hmm. know if you're if you're the kind of person that's like, man, I I sure could use a Josh Rojas. Shame he's not available. Look for uh, look for Jace Peterson for the next couple of weeks. It's just Josh Rojas with a goatee. That's all it is. <laughs> Josh, Josh <laughs> Rojas and goggles. Uh, let's see here. Oh God, where was I? Oh, we're going to talk the, about Darren Ruff, one of our hey, favorite you know boys. Who, you, you know who just hit a home run in support of Jake Junis? that Darren Ruff. Oh, baby, right as we're about to talk about. I I really, really am hoping that. Uh, so, I mean, this is his second home run now in the last week or two. I'm yep. really hoping he can keep, you know, keep that power stroke up because that's what we were, one of the things we were so excited about with him, with the newfound playing time and just, you know, his ability to impact the baseball. He had how many home runs last year? He had 20 home runs in like 330 play appearances last year? Yeah. Something like that? Something. Like he, he was insane. And he still hits the ball incredibly hard. He gets on base a buttload because he walks so much too. Like he is just... I God, I love Darren Ruff. So the Giants have optioned Luis Gonzalez, who was red hot. He was. And he was very good. Along with that, unfortunately, sadly... Lamont Wade Jr. is hurt. His yeah. uh, knee is still acting up. Yeah, the back of his knee, he was feeling like a, a, a pinch or something. And yeah, they shut him down again, unfortunately. Yeah, and we don't like that. No. No, no, one like, no one likes when people get hurt, but it means more and more opportunity for Darren Ruff. Yeah, that was like the one thing is that right after Lamont Wade went back on the IL, guess what happened? Darren Ruff got two straight starts. Mm-hmm. So he will be the beneficiary. He's still walking 14.5% of the time. As he always does. Incredible eye at the plate. Yeah. Um, yeah, just roster Darren Ruff in your deep leagues. He's so good. Like, if you're able to play him in a daily league where you can squeeze every bit of juice out of him that you can, like, it's it's so worth it. Um, and then, oh, so, okay, here's one on the list that we were going to talk about because PitcherList uh, Discord member Little Piranha asked us to talk about him. That's Brendan Donovan. Um He's been getting on base at just an absurd clip. Yeah, I, I, I when when this was requested, I reacted uh, uh, verbally, violently because uh, I, I frown upon devil magic. But <laughs> uh, he, I, you, you also can't deny its existence because yeah. the St. Louis Cardinals do tend to just turn guys like this up, and he's playing pretty regularly he's a lefty so if they do platoon him he's got the strong side yep he's hit he, he's hitting early in the order kudos to the st louis cardinals for for seeing that they have a high obp guy and hitting him in an appropriate spot in the lineup yep do you know what his like walk percentage is right now probably north of 20 percent yeah 21.6 percent yeah, i was gonna say because it was 33 yeah. percent over the last week so i just yeah. assumed so- um, yeah, so he's, I mean, he's got a, a BABIP inflated batting average, but that doesn't matter when your OBP is like 500. It's, he's He's got a 490 OBP right now. He could see tons of BABIP related regression and still, you know, have a, you know, be a good candidate for runs scored and just being on base and it's you know, so goofy. doing yeah. good things. If he is available in your OBP league, I would absolutely recommend picking him up. So a uh, good shout out there, little Prana. Talking about Brendan Donovan, I think, yeah, like Chubbsy said, the BABIP uh, luck is going to go down, but the on-base skills are not going to go away. 
that's something that will stick around. That's not a fluke. Um, God. yeah, like he, he's never been, he's never been a, a huge power guy. Oh man, I, I just did my New York, uh, Trump <laughs> I thing. I was gonna... <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. Huge. Uh, I, huge. He's never been a huge power guy. You know, I've been made aware of that. And I, I, every time I'm about to say an H word, I think about it, but that one just, that one slipped by, uh, he's never been a huge power guy in the minors. Uh, last year across three levels, he hit 12 home runs in like 500 plate appearances, 450, but he did steal a bunch of bags. He stole 19 bags in those 450 plate appearances. So, you know, uh, this is something he hasn't really displayed in the, the majors yet, but it's also only been 50 plate appearances. Yeah, he he had the willingness to steal in the minors, might steal some bags up in the up in the majors. Heck yeah! All right, uh, let's go to Nolan Gorman, another St. Louis Cardinal, just got called up. Yep, and I mean, we we, we or, or at least I always struggle when talking about minor leaguers because I like data, and we have no data, uh, or at least nothing uh, past the surface. Mm-hmm. Gorman's calling card is his power he's got lots of it and after the st louis cardinals signed nolan or traded for nolan arenado there was concern where is nolan gorman gonna play and the I, their solution to that was they moved him to second base and tommy edmund has now shifted over to shortstop to free up a lineup spot and a uh, a spot on the field for nolan gorman to play second gorman hit let's see he hit 25 home runs in 2001 he already oh my god do you know how many home runs he had this year in the minors before he got called up 12 15 oh that's that a good guess every every 10 plate appearances he hit a home run yeah oh my god he's got pop yeah it turns out yeah you can't really hold a guy out. down when he's doing that can you he, he was he was striking out 34 percent of the time i mean and i'm i'm committing a cardinal sin of of like analysis right now <laughs> yeah i get it <laughs> ha i it wasn't intentional but i did it um I, i'm stat line scouting yeah you know but he I mean, had a 30 he had a 34k percentage in 150 plate appearances that scares me but you know it was much lower last year uh, uh, you know in the same level mm-hmm. so what what does that mean i don't know we'll have to see he had a good game today he hit sixth he went uh one for three with uh with a walk which is nice no strikeouts extra nice uh and again, he's a second baseman. Maybe we got another Dan Ugla. Everyone loved Dan Ugla back in the day. <laughs> oh, Dan Ugla. You're incredibly short, stout, and strong arms. With, with no neck. Just, just the human version of a Ninja Turtle. Dan Ugla. It's just all forearms, no neck. 90% forearms, Dan Ugla. Uh, anyways, that's enough reminiscing about Dan Ugla's forearms. Uh, let's move on to Nick Pavetta can pitch a complete game. What? Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, finally some, uh, redemption for Carlos Marcano and his fandom of Pavetta early in the season. It was not looking good. And I'm glad that Carlos is able to take this very nice victory lap here in the middle of the season. Pavetta looked good, man. And he's got a and really good two-star week coming up. Yeah. I mean, he, is, is he the streamer of the week? Yes. hundred percent. That's not even close. Uh, I guess. I don't think there's anyone that has like the matchups that he has plus just like the raw ability at this level. Like as far as like roster ship numbers go. 
Yeah, I mean, he's got the strikeout stuff, which is uncommon in a streamer, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's not, we, we tend to not, you know, they, they tend to be streamers because they're not that good, and guys who are good tend to strike guys out. Yeah. I mean, I thought about talking about Pavetta, but I didn't want to, like, beat a dead horse because I feel like everyone's going to be talking about him. I, I thought about it, too. So I just kind of steer clear of, like, deep diving on him because I think we know what Pavetta can do as well. Like, he's been around long enough that he's not, like, super under the radar. Uh, but dude, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. A, a week or two ago, I had that moment like I had with Kyle Freeland last year where I was like, I'm so tired of streaming Nick Pavetta against weak teams and having him get beat up anyway. He's dead to me. And then yep. he went on a big run. Yep. Because you benched uh, him, didn't you? Oh, uh, uh, I definitely did not start him with his complete game. Yeah. Uh, but I, I did start him when he got annihilated by some weaker teams earlier <laughs> this season. I'm uh. good at this, guys professionals that's what we are professionals process over results baby yeah uh um let's see oh god i lost my spot there we go uh that, dane dunning we talked about dane dunning previously yeah and speaking of starting guys when they do poorly and benching them when they do well dane dunning did the exact opposite of what i expected he did really well against the uh world beater angels and did really poorly against boston who were miserable at the time and he now he has a two-start week coming up at the Angels, who he just did well against, and at Oakland, who are like the worst team in the league. Uh, who, who I say worst team in the league, they're overachieving. They should be the worst team in the league, along with uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh down there. Mm-hmm. But like, who, who even? I, I don't even know with Dane Dunning. He's he's similar to Junis in that he is a sinker baller. So you're going to have days where like the sinker just gets hit hard. Mm-hmm. And it just finds holes. So there's going to be days where he does well against good teams when the ball finds gloves. And he's going to do poorly against bad teams when the ball doesn't find gloves. So I, the only thing I can suggest is to keep playing the matchups and hoping, hoping things work out logically. I would still bench him against LA. I would still start him against Oakland. But just you know, just know that the opposite could still happen. The, the opposite results that I expect could still happen. Uh, point is, I, everything that I said last week still holds. I, I, I believe in him. I like Dane Dunning. I like the skills. I, I think he's still going to be a strong ground bowler with about a strikeout per inning, and that's a good pitcher. Love it. All right. Uh, Dakota Hudson, we covered him before. Ground ball pitcher, not going to get a ton of Ks. Um, Just got beat up by favor- the Mets a bit. He did, yeah. Just streaming favorable matchups, weaker offenses. It's pretty easy with him. It's not really rocket science. Um. X person, Spencer Strider, like, what is he going to be? That's my question with Spencer Strider. Like, he's going to be a fireman, pretty much. He could steal you some wins right now. I do. I, I wish that they would eventually just start him. He was supposed to start. He was supposed to get a start this past week, and yep. then instead he pitched out of the bullpen, pitched like four innings and struck out eight, something yep. stupid like that. Yep. He was very good, as he has been. Uh, so that's pretty much what you're getting from him, is he's going to come out of the bullpen for now. Hopefully he'll eventually get starts, but... If he's only going to be pitching like four innings, I actually maybe prefer him coming out of the pen. Because at least if he comes in, like if they're down a little bit and he acts as a fireman and pitches those four innings, the or the uh, Atlanta can give him a um, a lead and maybe get steal him a win or something like that. And I mean, th- there's always the question of can he hold up over six or seven innings the way he does over, you know, two to four innings. Yeah, you can anticipate probably a drop in velo, which it's still incredibly fast. He throws very, very hard. We all know this at this point. Um, but yeah, Strider skills wise, amazing, really fun to watch. 
except for when he's pitching against the Brewers. Obviously, hate that. <laughs> uh, but fantastic. Um, also, deep league valuable, yes, regardless of exactly. role. Just like the ratio, the the K ratios. Like if you have like K per nine as a stat in your league, fantastic. I am I am very surprised that he is out there the way he is. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, Wade Miley threw six shutout innings in his second start. He was like fully back up to like a full workload. It seemed like looked really really good. Um, did the Wade Miley thing of like getting a bunch of ground balls and soft contact. Struck out a few. I I think uh, I I am of the opinion that the Chicago Cubs should give Wade Miley to the Mets for free as because of the PCA Javi Baez trade last year. Um, I think they owe the Mets more because of how everything has gone down since then. I think you're just upset uh, that Uncle Stevie got fleeced. I I am. I'm I'm constantly salty (laughs) about the, uh, the Javi Baez trade. Um, But uh, no, I, I like Miley. I think he's, going to be a, a strong toby throughout the rest of the year i that's just who he is as a person and i don't think that's changed fair enough by the way darren darren ruff just hit a second home run of the game did he really he sure did oh baby see this is the okay so we rough got riders one, rise up we've got on one hand we got darren ruff like doing like the, the, the dang thing and then you've got the balancing scales of jacob Junis <laughs> kind of getting knocked around a little bit it balances out in the end we got our wins, we got our losses. It's fine. Um, and uh, so, uh, someone who I talked up a lot this year, uh, Seth Brown, just hit his fourth of the year. Also, he, he's on a bit of a run. But, uh, uh, we got another strong streamer here. Another two-start strong streamer. Yeah. Uh, assuming he gets the starts, there's always True. a chance he gets sent back down. It is, but, it uh, is fair. I mean, he's had good results so far, so I don't think he's going to get sent back down, I wouldn't think. And he lines up to see he pitches at Seattle and then at home versus Texas, which are two pretty good matchups. As far as like matchup wise, this is the second best matchups I would say in comparison to Pavetta's matchups. Yeah, for a two-star I mean, uh, pitcher for next week. So if you're if you're unfamiliar, Zach Logue pitches for Oakland, so anything right. at home for him is really good because the Coliseum is is it is big. It's Gargantuan. a beautiful ballpark. Yes. Uh, but yeah, so. I mean, as, I, as, I, as long I, as you account for the, the potential of, you know, like something crumbling and hit, hitting him in the head and knocking him out of the game. Oh, no. R.I.P. Zach Logue. We hardly knew ye. Um, speaking so, of Oakland A's pitchers, James Caprillian also on here. Shobzy, I think you threw this one in here. Yeah. Strong fastball slider guy. Decent streamer. Not a whole lot to say there. Yeah. He uh, another another Toby. Cool. All right. Uh, David Peterson, too. You have on here as well. Uh, with so Scherzer the, and yeah, not McGill and McGill out. And McGill. Like Dave so, Peterson? McGill has started. Uh, McGill has started to throw again. Peterson yep. has a rotation spot, probably two to three turns th- through the rotation right now. Yep. Minimum. Unfortunately, his next start is at Colorado. I'm not starting him there. Big fade because I I I like my ratios. I like them where they are. Um, but he's an add and hold for me. Uh, if it looks like, and it could break down this way, if it looks like he's going to get Colorado and then at San Francisco, I would not add him because uh, Colorado is Colorado and San Francisco has a history of murdering lefties. Uh, so yeah, I, I like Peterson. Uh, I would add and hold right now, but only if you have the uh, luxury of being able to bench him through uh, rough, rough matchups. 
I really like him against, you know, non-bad matchups. Perfect. Okay. And then you've got Jeffrey Springs here, which unfortunately we're not going to be able to provide a ton of actionable info that's going to be relevant yet for Springs, although he has looked good recently. Um, starting Saturday, it looks like, at Baltimore. Yeah, uh, today, if you're listening to this uh, on release day, he will be starting today at Baltimore, which uh, we talked last week about how at Baltimore is a fantastic venue for pitchers. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, after that, the next starts against the Yankees at home. Not great. Don't want that. Not great. Never, never a fun one, typically. Um, so maybe steer clear of that. Yeah, another thing I mentioned uh, last week was how Baltimore starting pitchers had the second best home rotation ERA in baseball, and then the Yankees came to town, and uh, I, I'm pretty confident they don't have the second best home ERA anymore. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Yankees going to Yankee. Yes, they are. Judge going to judge. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, all right, last one we got down here is another St. Louis Cardinal, another young one that's getting called up, uh, Matthew Liberator. Jeez, did we talk about, what were we talking about, like 60% of the Cardinals rotation today? Yeah, pretty much. But uh, Liberator is in the, like, Reed Detmers, Patrick Sandoval mold of a guy with decent breakers and a mediocre fastball. And uh, we love those guys at Pitcher List. We, 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 seem to, we seem to crush on those guys pretty hard. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't uh, I I don't know how much of an opportunity he's going to have because at this moment I saw that he was only listed for one start, which is a good start at Pittsburgh. I would I would add for that if you can. But uh, yeah, this is this is one to just keep an eye on. Check out what the opportunity is going to be like if he's going to get extended run in the rotation and he does well in this Pittsburgh start. I would absolutely be looking to add him. Heck yeah, all right. I think that's all we have for our honorable mentions, which will bring us to the end of our 50th episode. Shubzy, we did it. We did it. Look at this. Number milestones. 50. Arbitrary milestones. We did here's it. To the next, here's to the next 50, buddy. Here's to the next 50. You know, I just realized I never sang during this episode, and I said I was going I try, to. I, I tried to cue you up. Wait, what'd you try to say? When I said this was a streamer of the week. Oh, do you want me to sing the same song? From last week can, can, can we get like a, an american high five he's just a streamer of the week Ba-na-na, well you just sang da-na-na. now all right great so it was my turn this week there we go i'll, stri- I'll sing next week we'll figure something out i'll try to freestyle something <laughs> next week. all right that'll be it for this week's episode of in the deep thank you all so much for joining us once again if you want to follow us on our shared social media profile on twitter you can follow us there at in the deep pl you can also follow us individually at bunt singles for myself and then at schwebzy that's s-h-w-e-b-s-i no C. Uh, and with that, Schwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends.